Thank you guys so much. That was a blessing to see our youth boys leading praise, right? Yeah, man. Uh, welcome, guys, to Church Welcome Rock Fellowship. We're so happy to, to see you guys. I'm happy to see you. Even my sweater is happy to see you guys at church today. And I want to welcome uh, those, of, uh, those of you who are watching online as well. If you're watching in Alaska or Arizona, thank you so much. Alaska or Arizona or California, wherever you're watching from, we're so glad and thankful and honored that you would spend this time with us. Um, we're getting close to the end of our very first series of 2022, and the series is called The Year of Jesus. And really, it's very simple. What it's all about is making this year the year of Jesus. It, it's a sermon series about becoming and getting serious about our relationship with Jesus. Um, and because it is that kind of a message, you know, this has been a challenging sermon series for me because a lot of it is kind of like in your face. It's kind of like calling people out on stuff. And, and it's been kind of uncomfortable because I don't really like doing that to people, but I've, I've been feeling like the Spirit is moving and people have appreciated that honesty and, and that we need those moments where we're kind of jarred out of maybe our apathy or, or out of our complacency. And so um, really this series, the year of Jesus, as we're seeking to uh, take our relationship with Jesus seriously. What it really comes down to is to take Jesus seriously means to follow Jesus seriously. And to ask the question, am I following Jesus? Not all the other things I do as a Christian or a believer, but am I following? And I think it's easy to be confused about what that means. And, and um, I've asked that question, are you following Jesus? And, and for so many people, it's hard to even answer that question. A lot of times it's like, what does that even mean? How do I even really know? And so for the, the last few weeks, we've been talking about these verses statements that can help us to understand and see what it means to actually follow Jesus in our lives. So here's a quick recap. Uh, previously on the year of Jesus, um, the first week we talked about decision versus commitment, which was, uh, and the second one was knowledge versus intimacy, and the last week was one of many versus one and only. What this meant was, on the first week, we're talking about, have you made a commitment to follow Jesus or simply a decision to believe in him? Is it just a decision, yes, Jesus is real, God is real, and he's the son of God? Or have you made an actual commitment to follow him every day, every week? The second week, when we said knowledge versus intimacy, it was a question of, do you know about him or do you know him? Do you have a lot of knowledge of who he is and the word and the Bible, which is all really, really good stuff, but do you have intimacy with Jesus? Because that's where it's really at. All that stuff, all the things that we learn, that is for the purpose of creating intimacy with Jesus. And it's easy to have knowledge without intimacy, but, but you can't. But you can simply, you can easily confuse yourselves and stop at knowledge and not have intimacy with Jesus. And last week, what I thought was the hardest message was this idea of Jesus as one and only versus Jesus as one of many. And, and that was challenging for me because the reality of the situation is how do we apply that? How do we make Jesus the one and only thing in my life? And, and the challenge for us oftentimes when you hear that kind of message is like, okay, so like, am I just supposed to stop caring about everything else? Like nothing else matters anymore? Like what am I supposed to do? Am I not to have any hobbies or any interests? Am I not supposed to like things? But it wasn't about that. What it was about, as we talked about last week, is making Jesus your one and only is about inviting him into all the other stuff 
all the other things that matter to you and are important to you, you invite Jesus into that. So those are, that's a quick breakdown of what we talked about the last few weeks. If you want to learn more, go to our website, go to our YouTube channel, go to wherever you find podcasts, look at Rock Fellowship, and you'll find all of our sermons uh, there as well. Now today, um, before I kind of break down today, I, I want to pray and, and just like really get into it. So let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, so much for um, this moment and for this opportunity. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be in this place, to be present, and to move as, as you see fit. And God, I pray that you would overcome any of my insufficiencies and that you would speak directly to those who need to be spoken to. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as we're talking about, like, following Jesus and getting serious about our relationship with him and, and, and taking it for real this year and making this year the year of Jesus, there is an important truth that we all need to be aware of. And it's something you probably know but maybe haven't really thought about uh, or, or you, maybe you don't really want to think about it. And this is the uncomfortable truth for all of us, especially for those of you guys who grew up in church and to you church is important and you want your kids in church and all that stuff. Here's something very, very important that we all have to understand. It is possible to be raised in the church but not raised in Christ. Let me say that one more time. It's possible to be raised in church, but not be raised in Christ. And that's the reason why you may be here, but a lot of your friends you grew up with when you were growing up in church, they're not. Because you can be raised in church, but not in Christ. You can grow up in the church, but not grow up in faith. You can know all the songs, know all the verses, know all the right answers, go to every event, everything that we all do as believers and followers and church members, but not grow up in Christ. It is possible to do that. And that needs to be very, very clear to every single one of us. If you come to church because you want to raise your children in church, which is a very honorable thing to do, I love it, I love all our kids, I love the youth, everything, it's wonderful, but you gotta know, just putting them here in this building is not enough. Because you can be raised in the church, but not in Christ. So today we're gonna talk about the reality of that and why that happens. Why that happens? Why is it possible that I'm supposed to be in the church? Why, how is it possible that I can just like not have a relationship with him and I can walk away from it? How can people do that? We're going to talk about how that happens this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to fix it. Okay, so actually, this, these two messages are kind of like a series within a series. And next week, Pastor Jonathan is going to talk about how we can overcome that and how we can make sure that we aren't raising ourselves or raising our kids in the church but not raising them in Christ. That's what's happening today and next week. So here it is. This is what I think. The difference between, the difference between raised in the church and raised in Christ is ownership. The difference between growing up in the church and having no relationship with Jesus the difference between that and growing up in the church in a meaningful way where you are committed to him, following him, you have intimacy, he's your one and only, all that stuff, is ownership. And it's the question of, is your faith your faith? Or is it your parents' faith? Or is it your friends' faith? Or is it your church's faith? Is it your pastor's faith? Or is it your faith? It's a question of ownership. In all of our spiritual journeys, and probably you guys know this for you, especially those of you who've grown up and matured and are committed to Christ, you know that for all of us in our journeys, there comes a moment in time 
a season in time where a shift and a transition has to happen in your beliefs, where it's no longer what you were taught, it's now what you believe. There's a point in time where you need to take the faith that was given to you by your parents and your church and whoever or your grandma or your grandpa, and at one point it needs to move from their faith to your faith. Right? And, and if you grew up and you are faithful and you are excited about God and you love Jesus, you had that moment, right? And you can probably remember that moment. I remember that moment is when I was 17 years old. It was 17 years old, and I've told this story before. One of our own church members, years ago, Dan Lee, gave an altar call at a meeting, and I gave my life to Jesus, and it was at that day I decided I'm going to start reading the Bible. Like, that was it for me. That was that moment where it shifted from someone else's faith, and it became my faith. So we all have to go through that. So for our kids and for our youth, at one point in time, and some of our adults, maybe you haven't even gone through this, you need to take a step from someone else's faith to my faith. A question of ownership. Where the, the teachings I was taught, the beliefs I was given, the, the convictions I was handed to, the values that my family has held need to become your own. When that shift happens, you are on your way to following Jesus. But if you don't make that shift, you will never you will never take Jesus seriously. So we have to think about that moment, that idea of spiritual ownership. And the versus statement for us today is really this, their faith versus my faith. When I think about my own religious experience, when I think about my commitment to God, my, my beliefs, my faith, is it their faith or is it my faith? And this is a hard question to understand. This is a hard question to think about, and maybe you haven't really thought about it in your life, but what we're gonna do is I wanna share with you guys three different ways or three kind of like ideas to help us identify if the faith that you hold right now in this moment is yours or it's someone else's or something else's. So here, here we go. So when I, when I give these statements, you have to ask the question, is this true for me? So is this true for me? Can we all say that question? Is this true for me? Here's the, first, here's the first, first statement. When my faith is an act, it's not my faith. And think, is this true for me? Is my faith simply an act? Is it a performance? And Jesus has some harsh words to people whose faith is simply an act. The word he used to describe people whose faith was an act or a performance or something they did for other people to look good or look a certain way, you know the word he used? Hypocrite. He used the word hypocrite, which is a harsh word. That's probably like the, the one thing nobody ever wants. That's like kind of the worst thing to be called this day and age, right? Like hypocrite. That is horrible. No one wants to be called a hypocrite. But what's really interesting is the, the way Jesus used the word hypocrite is actually slightly different than the way we use it. The way we use it is like you're a hypocrite if you'd say one thing and do something else. That's how we understand someone to be a hypocrite now. But the, 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 the origins of the word hypocrite, it was a Greek word, and it referred to, and it was an, actually a classical Greek theater word, a theater word, like plays and songs and musicals, a theater word. And Greek actors, they were called, guess what? Hypocrites. And it wasn't bad, it was just like an actor 
was a hypocrite. A person who puts on a show was a hypocrite. And what they would do is these Greek actors, they would play several different characters in one show. And when they would move from one character to another, they would take off masks and switch masks. That was a hypocrite. And so when Jesus called people, especially the Pharisees, hypocrites, what he's pointing at is not necessarily, and they did that, you know, you say this and and you do something else. It was that their faith, their commitment, their devotion was all simply a performance. It was an act. Listen to what he said. I'm going to read a few verses to you guys from Matthew chapter 23. This is Jesus' like rebuke, his calling out of these Pharisees. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries, which are these little boxes that have little Torah scrolls in them. They make them wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, there's that word. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. One last verse. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Right, so it's clear that when Jesus looked at these guys, he says, it's all an act. All the things that you do, the praying, the the fasting, the worshiping, the serving, all that stuff, it's all an act, man. You're just performing for everyone else because you love for people to look upon you with favor. Say, look how spiritual they are. Look how amazing they are. We are they're, they're amazing. I, I respect them so much. I want to be like them. I want my kids to be like them. Like that, It's all an act. And you know, this is so important for us who are followers of Jesus to know, to make sure that our faith isn't simply an act to look a certain way to people you know, to put on a facade. But also, if you're a person, you're like not really sure about Jesus and you have doubts and questions and, and maybe you haven't had great experiences with Christians, we're, we're talking about today, these are gonna be those reasons why. Because you met some people who their faith was all an act. And when you saw that, you're like, what is that? What is that about? They look all perfect on the outside, but I know what they are. I know who they are. I know what they've said. When your faith is an act, it's not your own. It's someone else's. For the Pharisees, it was all about pleasing other people and looking good in front of people, and we can do the same thing. Sometimes we can take our faith and make it about other people. We can make it about the people in this room. We can make it about strangers we've never even met. We feel this need and this desire to look a certain way or act a certain way or be thought of a certain way. Or on the flip side, we compromise our values, we compromise our beliefs, we compromise our commitments because of other people. When that's our faith, when it's simply an act, it's not really your faith. It's their faith. It's your parents or your friends or your pastors or strangers or your teacher or or people you think are cool and people you think that are awesome. It's theirs. It's not yours. When we do this, and here's here's the important thing. What you're doing is you're giving power and control over your relationship with Jesus to other people. Like, that's crazy, right? Like, you would think your relationship with Jesus is probably the most, the most private thing. is your thing, right? 
but it's possible to give other people power and control over that. And they get to tell you what your relationship with Jesus is like and how to follow Jesus. And you know, like, I, I got to be honest, part of this is this idea of, and, and we've all been there, right? If you grew up in the church, we've all been there, that the reason you come to church, you come to church and you like church is because your friends are there. And that, that's great, right? Like, and I'm not saying that it's bad to have friends at church. No, I love the idea that we have friends and we have community. I mean, our, the first part of our mission statement is connect people to what? A loving community. Like, that's what it's all about. But if that's all it is, your faith is not your faith. It's your friend's faith. So we have to ask that question. Is it true for me when my faith is an act, it's not my faith? Is that true for you? The second statement is this. When my faith is about rules, it's not my faith. When my faith is about rules, it's not my faith. There was another time when Jesus was doing his thing, and um, it was in the beginning of his ministry. And he was like, you know, gaining popularity. And word got out to other like religious leaders and other Pharisees, and it got, got, word got out to Jerusalem, which was the center. And they're like, hey, there's this Jesus guy up north. And he's like saying some crazy stuff. And he's doing some crazy things. Like, have you heard about it? And the Pharisees are like, oh, yeah, I kind of heard. I don't know what his deal, with it, deal is. Maybe we should go check him out and let's see if he's legit. Let's see if he's like on our side. Let's see if he's one of us. Can we give him our stamp of approval and endorse him, right? And so they sent a group of Pharisees to go to Jesus in Capernaum to check him out and have a conversation and an interview and see like if this guy is okay. And so they go there, and the first thing that happens is they see him and his disciples, and they're eating, but they didn't wash their hands. And so this is how the story goes. Um, the Pharisees, talking about the Pharisees, says, and they saw some of the disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And then, um, so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders, instead of eating their food with defiled hands. So they didn't even have the conversation. Like, they didn't, they didn't even ask Jesus, like, what he's about. They didn't even ask him, like, hey, where are you from? Tell me what you think about this and that. They didn't have, even have those questions. They first saw this, that the disciples were breaking the rules. And so he said, hey, hey, what's the deal? And what they're talking about here, when he talks about the tradition of the elders, what he's talking about is not the Torah, the law. Right, like the Old Testament. He's not talking about the law of God. The tradition of the elders was this, this oral Torah is what they call it. It was a Torah, a law that was passed down orally, and these were rules and laws that were added on in addition to what was actually created by God as the law. Okay, and so, and there was kind of a, it was kind of a myth, and people weren't really sure, and in these traditions, in the oral Torah, there were like hundreds of rules and hundreds of laws that people had to follow. And this is what he's talking about. He says, hey, hey guys, oral tradition, oral Torah, you guys remember, you're supposed to wash your hands, which, you know, is a good idea, obviously, but it, it was in, in this way. And then Jesus is like, mm. he's not having any of it. This is what he says, this is how he responds. He replied, Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied about you hypocrites. There's that word, you fakers, you, 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 you actors. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings 
are merely human rules, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. You know, so Jesus had a big problem with this, clearly. And you look at his life and ministry, he constantly calls out this perspective, this idea of legalism, this, this idea of religiosity. He had a huge, huge problem with this. And, and we probably do too, and you probably do too. When you have met people and Christians who are all about the rules, you remember what that felt like. And you remember what that experience was like to talk with them. And you remember what it was like when they judged you because you didn't follow the rules that they thought were so important. Remember what that was like. And so if you don't like that, you, you're going to love Jesus because he was not about that either. And so what he does is he says to them, actually in the New Living Translation, he says, their worship is a farce. I like that. It's a farce. It's all fake. And Jesus had a huge problem, especially when the religious leaders would use the rules when they would twist God's word to hurt the people God loved. Because right after this, he, he brings up a very specific point. He says, listen, Pharisees, this is all bogus because what you guys do is ridiculous. You follow these rules that you guys kind of made up. It's not even my rules. You made these up, and you make it, and you use it in a way where you can create a loophole where you don't have to even take care of your parents anymore. Like your parents are older and you're supposed to help them out, but you use the law of God so that you cannot take care of your parents. Right? So he's really against this whole idea. And in Matthew chapter 23, back to the chapter that we looked at, he says to them, and this is so important, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. And this was the big problem, and this is the big problem, and this is what Jesus was really, really against. This is why he was so against legalism. Legalism. Legalism makes it hard for people to come to God. And legalism makes it hard for people to stay with God. And this is why Jesus was so against it. This is why the Apostle Paul was so against it. Because when, when it's all about following the rules, it's, when it's all about control, when it's all about this, 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 no, 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 yes, 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 you can do this, you can't do that, you can do this, you can't do that. When it's all about that, it makes it really hard to come to God and have intimacy with him. It makes it really hard to stay with him through all the times and have built a relationship that is meaningful and close. It's really hard to do that. And so Jesus, that's why Jesus was not about this. It makes it really hard. And for those of you guys who grew up in that kind of an upbringing, when you grew up, maybe grew up in that kind of a religious home where it was all about the rules, or maybe you grew up in that kind of church, it was all about the rules, you know what this felt like. Or you know what this was like. When it was like that, God was not very approachable, was he? God was not someone that, that was to, to be loved. He was someone to be feared. He was someone to be afraid of. God seemed scary. God seemed like he was, he, was, he, was, he was looking out to get you. He was figuring out a way to catch you doing something wrong. When you grow up in this kind of a, a home or this kind of a church or, or group in this kind of a religious experience, God seemed like, like he didn't want you to have any fun. And, and all he wanted to do was stop you from doing all the things that you wanted to do. 
And, and, and the worst of all, God seemed like you could never, never please him. And in that place, like, why would you want to go to him? Why would you want to come to him? And why would you want to have a relationship with someone like that? Legalism makes it hard for people to come to God. It makes it hard for people to stay with God. And so when we, we grew up in this experience, you, you, you look at all these rules, and as soon as you get old enough, remember when this happened? As soon as you get old enough, you're like, wait, why again? Wait, why, why can't I do that? Why can't I go there? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And, and you, when, as you get, you get old enough, you start thinking, these kind of don't make sense. And then so you go to your pastor, you go to your parents, and you say, this doesn't really make sense. And they're like, no, no, no it doesn't matter. You've got to follow the rules. And if you live long enough in that, the rules stop making sense, but then God starts not making sense. See, that's what happens with legalism. See, when legalism, when, when, when our faith is about the rules, when our faith is about following the rules, it's not our faith, it's the law's faith. The law gets to determine. The law has power and control over our faith and our relationship with Jesus. The law gets to determine this is what it means to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And the problem with that is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 6. He says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, so, so let, me, let me break this down. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law. In Jesus, right, if you accept him and believe him, he's your Lord and Savior, you are not under the law but under grace. You've shifted. A move has happened. Your relationship is no longer defined by the law. It is now defined by grace. But, but there's something really, really uncomfortable in this verse. Because it says, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law. But what happens if you take your relationship and your faith and you put it back under the law? What if you are under the law? Then who is your master? According to that verse, sin is your master. Sin is your master. If you put your relationship with God back under the law, when you make it all about the rules, when you give the law and legalism control and power over your relationship with God, sin is your master. But, but Chris, how, how does that make any sense? Right? How is it that sin is my master when all I want to do is obey God? That doesn't make sense, Chris. Like, I just want to follow God's law. I want to follow his rules that he gave us that are good for us, and I want to obey him and all that stuff. And I want to do all the things he wants me to do, and I want to not do all the things he told me not to do. How is it that if I have that mentality that I could be under the rule and sin can be my master. Like, that doesn't make sense. And the reason why that sin can be your master, even if you want to follow God's law, and so put yourself under the law, it's because you can't. You can't. Because you cannot obey the law of God perfectly. You cannot do it. And if you cannot do it, and if you cannot obey the law of God, you will never beat 
sin. And therefore, sin will always be your, your master. But there's a different way. There's grace. And the Apostle Paul talks about how when we're, we, we move in Christ, we move out of the law and into grace, it doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want and we can just like go around sinning. Obviously, that's not what it means. It means there's a different, a different way. See, God wants to take you out from under the law and move you into that place of grace because when your faith is not your own and when your faith is the laws, do you know what the message is? The message when your faith is under the law and all about the rules, this is the message. You're not good enough. And you will never be good enough. But you should keep trying to be good enough. That's the message. What kind of message is that? Right? Like, that's rough. That's a wild message to tell people. You're never gonna, you would never tell this to your kids, right? You would never feel like this about you. If you talk to a parent and this is how they felt about their kids, you'd be like, what? If that was the message that you gave to your children or your friends or your students or your employees, you'll never be good enough. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. But you should just keep trying to be good enough. Like, that's crazy. But that's the message of the law when our relationship with God is under the law. And that's why Jesus was like, no. No, 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 no. That's not how it is. We are now under grace. There is a different way. And this is, this is the way. I think this is the best verse to understand the way of grace. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus is speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is our faith under grace. Because under the law, the operative word is effort. Under grace, the operative word is abide. Or as we saw in the verse before, remain. Remain. Under the law, it's about effort and trying and uh, like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to stop going there. I'm going to stop looking at that. I'm going to be nicer to my brother. I'm going to be nicer to my parents. I'm going to be nicer to my kids. Uh, that's, that's the law. It's effort. And that's how you obey the law, through effort, through your human willpower. But under grace, the operative word is abide in me. Remain. This doesn't mean that you don't try, but you expect and you understand that the fruit comes through abiding, not through effort. Right? Like if you go to an orchard, I mean, some of you guys probably done you pick and stuff like that. If you go to an orchard, you don't go there and see the trees going like, fruit, you know? Oh, I gotta make an apple. Oh, I gotta make this pear. Oh, you don't see that. In nature, you don't see that. It's abiding. The branches are abiding in the trunk. They're abiding in the soil. And what happens naturally, organically? Fruit. And it's the same. That's what Jesus is saying. Under grace, it's not about effort. Because your effort won't work because you're sinful and we all are bad and we can't do it. So what I want you to do, people, Jesus is saying this, just abide. And what's going to happen is when you abide, you're going to look back and you're like, oh, there's fruit. Oh, I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know that. And then people are going to ask you, hey, 
what's going on with you? You're, you're different these days. And you'd be like, yeah. Like, how'd you do it? I don't really know. Like, I'm not trying as hard as I used to, but things seem to be getting better. All, all I know is I'm just abiding more. That's what grace is. That's our faith under grace. So when, when our when our faith is about the law and the rules and works, it's not our faith, it's the law's faith. But Jesus has told us that's not how it is anymore. That's not how it has to be anymore. Just abide. The last one is this. When my faith is about me, it's not my faith. When my faith is about me, it's not my faith. And I know that's kind of a really weird thing to say because it's like, my faith is about me, how is it not my faith? faith. Ultimately, when you look at the Pharisees, when you look at the Sadducees, when you look at the quote-unquote hypocrites that Jesus condemned, if you look at their behavior, all of it came down to one thing. All of it came to them, came down to all their whole thing, their whole faith was all about who? It's about themselves. It's about how they can look good in front of people, about how they can, can receive the praise of men, how they can receive respect from other people, how they can look really good and look really righteous and be admired by all these kinds of people. When it came to the rules, it was about how they can use and manipulate the rules to be on top and how they can use and manipulate the rules to create loopholes where they can gain an advantage. That's what it was all, it was all about them. And when we have a faith like that, that is all about me, when we have a faith where it's about me, where it's, when we have a faith where it's about how I feel, when we have a faith where it's about what this can do for me, what God can do for me, what Jesus can do for me, when we have a faith where it's about how it can be convenient for me, guess what? You're not following Jesus. You're following you. When my faith is about what makes me feel good and what makes me happy and what is convenient and easy for me, I'm not following Jesus. I'm following me. I'm following me and you're following you. When, when my faith does not challenge me, when my relationship with Jesus just tells me you're fine the way you are, you never have to do it, you're always right, I'm not following Jesus. I'm following when my faith always agrees with me, when Jesus always agrees with my perspective, when Jesus always says I'm right, when I, when I don't change for him but I can change Jesus for me and to fit him in any situation so I can use him in an argument or a discussion to be right, I'm not following Jesus. I'm following me. This is what the Pharisees did. They were really following themselves. Not the Lord. And we do this all the time. And I know it's strange because I said, the statement was, when my faith is about me, it's not my faith, which sounds kind of contradictory. But the Apostle Paul teaches us something really, really important. We're almost done here. In Romans chapter 7, he says, I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What the Apostle Paul is talking about is that in us, there is something there that can take control. 
And when I say when it's not, when my faith is about me, it's not my faith, the Apostle Paul is saying, yeah, you know whose faith it is? It's your sinful nature's faith. When your faith is about you, it's your sinful nature that is in control. It is your sinful nature that has the power and control over your relationship with Jesus. That's crazy, okay? Just, just think about that. It is possible for your sinful nature, your selfishness, my selfishness, your greed, my greed, all of that, my sinful nature, it is possible to allow my sinful nature to be in charge of my relationship with Jesus. That's crazy. You can give the authority and power and control over your discipleship to Jesus, your apprenticeship, your following of Jesus. You can give that to your sinful nature to be in charge. And that happens. And you can know it's happening when you look at your faith and you're like, wait a minute. My faith is all about me. Me, 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 me. It's all about what I can get out of it. That's so Scary, guys. Like, that's really, really crazy. But there is hope. There is hope. And this is what Paul says in my last verse for today. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Like there is hope because Jesus can take that away. He can change the situation. He can change the atmosphere. He can change the experience. And he can shift us from their faith to my faith. He can take us out of a faith that is governed and controlled by other people or laws and rules or even our sinful nature. And he can take it and make it ours. He can do that. He can free us from that. That is amazing news. He can help us and lead us to a place where it's no longer someone else's faith, but it's truly, truly my faith. And here's the irony. This is the irony, guys. The irony is that in order to make it your faith, in order for me to make it my faith, the only way to do that is to give it to Jesus. The only way for it to truly become my faith is to surrender control of our relationship and how we do this and how we relate to each other and how I follow when you surrender that to Jesus. That's the only way to make it truly our faith. So were any of those statements true for you? When my faith is an act, it's not my faith. When my faith is about the rules, it's not my faith. When my faith is about me, it's not my faith. If you feel like any of those were true for you, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you're listening to that message. And I'm so glad that maybe for the first time, your eyes are being opened to the reality of the condition of your heart. And today, you know, honestly, like today's kind of a downer, isn't it? <laughs> this is one of the sermons where like, oh, yeah, okay, happy Sabbath, guys. You know, that kind of a thing. But we gotta be here. We gotta, we gotta be here in this place. We gotta kinda like sit and simmer in this place in order for the hope to come. Because we're talking about next week, like I said, Pastor Jonathan is gonna show us how we can step out of that. And I wanted to talk about it today, but then the sermon would be like two hours long. So I was like, I'm not doing it to my friends and my people here. So next week is we're gonna talk about how to break out of this, how to take our faith to go from there to mine. 
how to really overcome this and what it looks like when your faith is your own. And I'm telling you guys, when your faith is your own, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's the best thing. So I want to invite you guys back. I want to make sure you all come back. Or if you can't come, watch us online or listen on the podcast for this next part. Because you got to listen to this and the next one together for it to all make sense. Okay, so, so I invite you guys back next week for part, I don't know, was it part five of the year of Jesus as we continue to move towards this direction, making Jesus our Lord, making him our Savior, and really learning to follow him this year. Come back next week and join us for that message. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, so much. God, for your words today. Man, this is some stuff, tough stuff, Lord. It's tough to hear some of these things. Theologically, it's kind of difficult. It's kind of, kind of difficult to understand. But I pray, God, that you would have gotten through all of that and you would have reached us today. And I hope and pray that there was someone and a few people or more than, maybe more than a few people who are, who are thinking, man, I really want to get out of that. I don't want my faith to be an act anymore. I don't want my faith to just be about rules anymore. I don't want my faith to be about me and my selfish desires and my sinful nature. I hope there's someone in that room where that's moving on their heart right now. And Father, I believe, God, that you are going to convict them and lead them to a place, God, where it's no longer about that, but that their, our faith, our relationship would be surrendered to you. And we would begin to take you seriously this year and begin following you for real. Lord God, please move on our hearts. Move us to that place where you want us to be. And thank you so much for sticking with us and guiding us through these times, Lord. Name me pray. Amen.